you ashamed of yourselves? A fantastic demonstration. And isn't it terrible how good it felt? <laughs> Boy, you ought to see it, you know, when the hate starts pouring up out of here in the limelight, you know, when you get them going. You see this little old lady sitting down there with a flowered print dress, you know, and she's got these rimless glasses. And I say, come on, baby, let's hear some booze. Come on, let's hear some hissing. Let's... And she goes, And then she turns and goes, <laughs> and Emily's sitting next to her. He says, oh, for heaven's sakes, how silly. Do you think I could try one? And then she goes, and you can hear the upper plate rattle. <laughs> then I holler, let's go, let's go. And then she goes, boo. And within 30 seconds, there are two saber-toothed tigers, great big stainless teeth. One of them gets up and brandishes a ketchup bottle. And she says, kill him, kill him! Oh, it's right below the surface. That hate. And oh, by the way, speaking, somebody here about two minutes ago says, tell a story about a prom. And uh, listen to this. Before we do that, tonight, you know, this is, this, is the, this is the month. You know, June. This is the month where millions of people are beginning that long road. They got their B.A., they've got that little piece of paper, and they, they, they see the world, you know, is opening up like some vast accordion. Yeah, you know, it's got endless mirrors, and it's, it's like a huge funhouse. And everywhere you turn, you know, there's going to be that thing called success. And it's a new, fun world. It's all going to be fun, too. There's nothing that isn't fun. As a matter of fact, I want to tell you this. Did you see the new ads for this for this this bandage have you heard them on the radio there's a new bandage that's in seven decorator shades yeah it's seven decorator shades it goes right on your finger or your head or your ear if it's half cut off you know and it's called the new fun bandage it says it's fun to put on it comes you can get it plaid you can get it uh, Pepsi-Cola pink, you know, for the fun generation. And they, the whole commercial, you know, it, it starts out and you hear this kid go, Ow! Oh, oh! And you hear this little girl says, Oh, goody! <laughs> Hold still, Johnny! Here, I've got the new fun bandage. I've got the new scotch plaid color. Isn't it fun? And he looks, you hear the kid and he says, Oh, oh, gee, that is fun. And then she says, wait, now hold still, I'll put it on, zip, it goes on just like that, and the music goes, da, 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 da. And he says, oh, wow, do it again. You know, cut me again, we'll put another one on my back. This is the new fun concept that even rottenness is fun. Oh, have you seen the Alka-Seltzer commercial? You seen that one? Oh, it's a beautiful commercial. It shows the new dynamic fun principle in action where everything is fun. This is one of those very hip commercials. You know, the kind that wins awards, but never sells the product. You know, it's beautiful. It comes on, it's black, 
It's photographed by Ingmar Bergman. Yeah, it's a very hip commercial. And you see the light. It's shining through this, what looks like a prism. And it's glowing. It's black. And the music behind it is this very hip jazz. And you don't see anything for a minute. And then the camera dollies back and you see it's a glass. It's a shop glass. Actually, it's an old-fashioned glass. You know, it's a little glassy. And it's got two ice cubes. And then you see dropping into this glass, this beautiful glass, this cocktail music is playing behind it. You see this tablet drop in. And then you see this clear, sparkling liquid come down. And you see these bubbles. And the music goes, and then that voice says, have you tried the new in-drink? Alka-Seltzer on the rocks. With a twist of lemon peel. Yes, it's the new fun in drink. Alka Seltzer on the rocks with a twist of lemon peel. And you sit there, you know, and you can hardly wait after you watch that to get a gut ache. You say, oh, but I wish I was sick today. You know, <laughs> and I thought this is the new dynamic fun principle. And I can see this guy, I can see it in action, see. Here's this guy at this bar. He's been sitting there for three days. <laughs> you know, he's been on his way home from that big conference of all the salesmen now, and he didn't quite get past J.P. Delaney's on 3rd Avenue. <laughs> Here he is, see. And every once in a while, way down inside, you hear... Blah, blah, blah. You know, four quarts of scotch, seven Pepsi-Colas, and a half a case of Rheingold, you know. Plus those two gigantic salami sandwiches. You know, all them hors d'oeuvres. And now he's sitting there, he's got seven eyeballs. Boom, you know. And all of a sudden, the bartender comes over and he says, Would you like the new in-drink. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy looks at it. He says, wait a minute. Ah! The bartender says, wasn't that fun? That's part of the new fun world we're all living in, you know. It's fun. Have you seen, have you seen that one of the automobile wreck? Have you seen that fantastic commercial that opens? You see... You see the highway, there's a shot, see, like this. And you see the ground, and you see spinning in the ground. You see this hubcap all bashed. You seen that one? It spins. Yeah, it's cool. And you see these great big clod hoppers. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a state cop, state fuzz, see. You see the feet walking along like that, and the camera follows them, see. It's a real close shot. And then there's a shot into the weeds, and you see the smoke coming out, and you see the busted trunk and you see the windows and the whole thing is wrecked one car's upside down the other car's in the trees you know <laughs> but somehow behind it there is bucolic restful music <laughs> you know the kind of music 
clap, chirrup, chitty, chitty, chitty. And the announcer comes on and says, yes, thank heavens they were insured by Allstate. <laughs> Somehow it's touching, you know? Kind of makes having a wreck fun. I, I can just see this guy in his hospital room, and he's all hanging up like that, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I love those two hands that come out with a little house, you know? You can see a little house all burning up. Second-story men climbing out of the top windows, you know. Bunch of juvenile delinquents are written four-letter words all over the side. It says, it's all right. You're in safe hands. <laughs> so you see, insurance makes it all right. That reminds me, have you seen this, this great picture, which we talked about earlier? It's this picture... It, 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 you see it every Sunday. It's in the New York Times, all the official papers all over the country. It's this wonderful scene of mommy and daddy and two little kids. And underneath it is the caption that says, Spend a restful, wonderful summer afternoon wandering through Green Acre Cemetery. Yes, and you can combine two, you can kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> Says, while you're there, drop in and pick out a suitable family plot and, and make a down payment on our new family mortgage plan for four matched headstones. Diners cards, all honored. We, we give green stamps. And it says, total security. The man who looks ahead is looking for total security for his family. And I can just see this, that wonderful Sunday afternoon. You seen that ad? Can't you see Daddy? He gets up, you know, and he's looking at the times. You know that great Sunday morning feeling? He's knee-deep in crossword puzzles and stuff, you know. And the kids are running around. You know how kids always do in the Doris Day movies and that? You know, running around, Daddy, Daddy, hi, <laughs> giggling. And Mama looks so beautiful. She, Oh, yeah, she looks like she's pushing 19. Yeah, she does in that picture. She feels like Bridget Bardot. And he says, hey... I got a great idea for this afternoon. Let's all get out. Let's pile into the Mustang. And let's go out to Restful Green Acres. And let's all buy a family set of headstones. What do you say? Come on, gang. Come on. I'll take my credit card and you bring some Pepsi-Cola. After all, we're part of the fun generation. You bring that. And we'll go out and somehow, you know... At the end, it says total security. Have you noticed that man's idea of total security today in 1966 is to be dead? <laughs> I mean, they can't get you there, nothing, you know, you're gone, you're dead. And, and I, I always have this, this, only a true unbeliever can feel that security is found in this state. True unbeliever. I could just imagine the guy is made, he's made his down payments. He's got all four of them picked out. They're matched. One says Mommy. One says Daddy. And one says Jimmy. And one says Barbie. Have you seen the Barbie and Ken dolls? Isn't that a great little family? Barbie and Ken with her little girlfriend, Midgie. Oh, yeah, you know, it, you know what the big argument that is raging right now in the Barbie and Ken world? It's the pill. Oh, yeah, you can buy it now at the dime store. It's for all comes, oh, they get everything. Don't look so embarrassed. Go down there someday and look. 
take a look at what the kids are playing with, honey. <laughs> Do you know what you can get at, at, at one of the big toy stores here now today? You can get a little plasma kit. Yeah, where the kid gives the other kid plasma. You know, for a, for a, for a real bad wound, he hooks it up, you know, <laughs> runs in the plasma, and you get toy plasma. See, it goes into Venus. <laughs> and so I can just see this, this, this guy, you know, he's paid for the four headstones. He's got the plot. Oh, one of the great lines in this ad says, close to all bus connections. <laughs> Somehow you kind of like to be buried close to the bus, you know. I have a feeling that a lot of guys, to them, to, to many guys today, death is so unreal that a lot of guys are making plans to have their answering service number on the back. You know, on the back of the headstone in case a real important call comes, call, call my answering service. And a lot of guys want their resume on the back now. <laughs> are you aware this is a new trend? A resume, you get your credits <laughs> on the back. And by the way, if, you, if you're an executive type, you do not want to be buried in the employee department. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, you know, you've made the, if you get the executive washroom key, you want to keep it. I think that's what most of us have against the idea of heaven. You know, you get there, and everybody's got the same scene. You know, they all got the same credit card. You know, I, I think heaven has to go out in a status-conscious society. And I can see this guy, he's bought four of them, see. He's got the plot, and every Saturday they go out and have a picnic there. Yeah, they suggest that. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting picnic, isn't it? You know, no wonder the kids all dig Frankenstein and the monsters and all that, you know. And they, they're sitting there, you know, they're eating the chicken bones and, you know, laying away, to, laying away the sandwiches. And they start going home after one of those great fun afternoons at the Evergreen Rest Away by the Wild Cemetery. They don't call them cemeteries anymore. They call them eternal rest havens. It's like an eternal trip to the Catskills. You know, somehow, yeah, it's a rest haven. <laughs> and so he's, they're, they're coming home from their big Saturday at the rest haven. They're driving home. And all of a sudden, this Mack truck is coming at him, you know. He says, okay, kids, this is it. Eternal security. And boom. And 30 seconds later, here he is. The fires are higher. And fantastic fires. He's got a shovel. And there's this guy walking around with a long tail. He says, come on, Mac, get moving. He says, now, wait a minute. I paid for eternal rest. He says, well, <laughs> depends on how you define rest, how you define eternity. And I've often felt as you look through these ads, you really see the premise and the background of the world that we come from. Listen, listen to this bit here. Now, has it occurred to you that graduation is one of the important moments in a man's life? I delivered last week a graduation address. Isn't that silly? <laughs> I really did, you know. It was fantastic. Yeah, I found myself, all these people got these hats out with the tonsils, you know. And these old duffers are sitting up here with me, you know, old Professor Snodgrass and a whole bunch. And, and this professor said, and now here's a man who can give you some advice to carry through your battle of life. I'm sitting there, see. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, I'm going to tell somebody how to carry on in a battle of life. And I look at the kids, 
they're all sitting there, you know, with their black gowns on, their hats, and they've got flowers, you know. And the boys are all in black. You know that? And all the girls are in white, symbolizing purity and beauty. And by the way, the black ones symbolize evil and decadence. <laughs> Boy, the cards are loaded every day of your life. Yeah, that's the truth. See, I asked this old guy on the platform, I says, why, why do they have the two colors? And he says, well, of course, you see, the, the, the white signifies beauty. It signifies chastity and honesty. I said, oh. <laughs> I hear these couple of these chicks sitting there, you know. They're giving me the eyeball at 600 yards, you know. Again, it all is a matter of definition, how you define beauty and truth and chastity. See, and, and, and the first thing that hit me is how fantastically innocent all the boys look. They all look like they're nine years old, you know. Yeah, they're tall, skinny guys, and you can see their tennis shoes sticking out from underneath. Yeah, you know, they walk along, and they sit down, they look embarrassed, and they all look like, the chicks, totally different scene. Oh, boy, you can hear, boom, da da boom, da That's the whole new scene, I'll tell you. They all look, it's, like, it's like a whole bunch of Sophia Lawrence. I can hear Tom Toms, you know. And I, I look down there, and this guy says to me, he says, he says, uh, you know, they've been looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And up in front, this man is talking. And he says, here's a man who can give us some words which we will carry through the battle of life, which will provide us with a means of living more successfully. And I look over at this bunch of kids, and they look up at me. I look at them. And all of a sudden, the entire graduating class burst into one blast of laughter. <laughs> and here are all the fat mamas and the fat daddies sitting on there. What are they laughing at? <laughs> they figured I was going to give them the answer, you know? So I look at the kids. The kids look at me. I says, oh, wow, you know? And ten seconds later, I am up there giving them deathless words. And I'm hit immediately. With the time I'm, you know, I'm graduating. We all graduate, see. And here's this guy up there. He's a state senator. And, by the way, a big, he looked like a state senator. He had wavy hair. And he had this fantastic delivery. That rolling delivery that comes from long years of working on the Shakespearean stage of the U.S. Senate. Where the men walk back and forth and they say, I spot upon thy discussion. Then they wait and the applause dies down. And we're all sitting out there waiting for them to do something, you know. Well, here he is up there. Oh, by the way, did you hear the great line that Everett Dirksen said the other day? Speaking of magnificent performers, have you ever seen Dirksen work? Oh, let me tell you, Dirksen can get more out of a simple weather report than Orson Welles can get out of King Lear. And I have seen Dirksen work. I remember one time Dirksen was standing up there, and I happened to be in the gallery, and, and he's, he's down there. He, he owns the stage, you know. Dirksen stands on this stage, and he walks for a minute, and all the senators wait. The master the master Wurlitzer organ of them all. <laughs> you know, they all wait. See, they sit there, 
and he walks back and forth till he has his audience in the palm of his hands. And then he says, Gentlemen, I have this afternoon received a dire communique, and I believe that it's the sort of thing that Americans everywhere are deeply concerned with. To quote Seneca, Nay, nay, I will instead quote Erasmus, who said a flower in the vast desert of time is a spot of God's breath. And the silence, you could cut it with a knife, see. What's he going to talk about? What is he going to say? And then he says, I have before me a communication which states that the grand illustrious state one of the cornerstones of the structure of democracy, the state of Illinois. Oh, when he says Illinois, <laughs> it's like the last movement of Beethoven's Ninth. You can hear a heavenly chorus singing of men's love. You can hear Schiller's ode to mankind ringing, the magnificent state of Illinois. It was rumored that the state flower is about to be changed to the lowly marigold. The lowly marigold, I say to you, and there is not a lowly flower in God's eye. And I'm sitting there. He's talking about the state flower of Illinois. And all the while I can hear the rumbling of cannons in the distance. I can hear continents sinking into the sea. And I recognize that oratory is one of the great gifts of mankind. And oh, by the way, speaking of empty oratory, what radio station is this, my friends? <laughs> Hit it, please. And, and, what magnificent city on the banks of this great continent. This flower of mankind. There's always one little clutch. That is typical Jersey humor. You have heard the Marty in full flower. The Marty who, when Laurence Olivier says to be or not to be is the question. And he says in the third row, no, where's the John? That's the question. Yes, it's the typical Marty, his, his number nine IQ and his size 12 shoes, walking through the beach of time. What city are we in, man? Hit it. All right. All right. I, I am sitting there. I'm a kid, see. And up on that stage is this, is this, this senator. And I remember my father. My father, all the time when I was a kid, he talked about two things. Well, three things. The Chicago White Sox, used cars, and politics. Not necessarily in that order. And he used to interchange them. He would mix them up. Sometimes he would start a discussion of politics and bring in the White Sox. And then he would go into the price of used cars all at one time. And so I'm sitting there in this crowd, you know, I'm about to graduate. Up there on the platform is this man. And he's looking down at us. 600 kids 
You know, how many of you came from a graduating class that was about the size of the average block party? I mean, 600 people, as far as the eye could see, you know, they're sitting, and we're in this fantastic auditorium. Actually, it was a gymnasium. Have you noticed how many graduations are held in gymnasiums? How symbolic that is. Already the scent of defeat. Yeah, you know, you see that scoreboard up there. It says home team zero zero zero. You know, and you watch, and you can smell. You can smell the locker room. Yeah, you can smell. You can smell. You know that that smell of the boys' swimming pool. And you can smell fourteen thousand generations of decaying lunches. Yeah, and you're sitting in this place, see, and all the teachers are down over here to the left. And here you are, and I, I'm sitting in this rented gown. How many of you remember the moment when, when, you, when you brought your gown home and you tried it on and your mother said, we got to have a picture? And, and they had this little camera, you know, this $4 camera. And, and it didn't have any flashes or anything like that. And you wound up standing on the lawn in your gown, see? And you're standing next to this iron deer, you know, and these old, dead, dying, decaying geraniums. And you're standing in your gown, see, and your mother keeps saying, now hold still, will you? She says, all right, now hold still. Here we go. Uh-oh. Just a minute, and you're standing. She says, wait a minute, i got to check the camera. Here we go now. Hold still. It doesn't work. And you're standing. And you're starting to sweat. You know that moment when all the people are looking out of the other houses? <laughs> and you got this funny thing on you with a tonsil hand, you know? And you're wearing what looks like a big black night clown, you know? You're sweating in this thing. And then Mrs. Bruner, I remember when I graduated, Mrs. Bruner comes out on the porch. I was the first guy in the entire block to graduate from anything. <laughs> That's a fact. I'm telling you, no kidding. Every kid I knew, the guys had quit school at 8 or, or, you know, 15, they quit school. Mr. Bruner did one time get out of the state pen. You know, but I'm the first guy to graduate, and Mrs. Bruner is standing on the porch, and she's watching. And I'm standing out there. My mother's taking a picture. And Junior Bruner, who was two years younger than me, Junior Bruner is under the porch of his house reading dirty books <laughs> which he always did between the hours of one and four and he is under the porch see and Mrs. Bruner is standing up there and the sun is beaten down and you can see the steel mill the smoke riding high in the air over the steel mills and incidentally three days later I'm going in the army I got my draft notice already you know the whole scene I'm standing on the porch and Mrs. Bruner looks over and she says, You look very nice, Jeannie. I said, yeah. Standing like this. How do you stand in a gown? Do you stand like this? You know, or do you stand just... Just stand? Do you put the hat on at a cocky angle? Do you wear it straight across? I'm standing, see. And then Mrs. Bruner says, Aren't you proud of him? My mother says, yes. My mother, who never graduated from anything, she says, yes, of course. 
And then Mrs. Bruner says, Junior, come out from under the porch. Look at Gene. He's graduating. And Bruner looks out from under the porch and he goes, ah. <laughs> It was a look that says, Fink, sell out, ah. It was a point of honor not to graduate, you know. Here I am, you know, I'm going through with it. And so this big day happens and we're sitting in the gym. You can smell, you know, the whole, the whole life of school, dried ink. You know that smell of school? They all smell the same. We're sitting there. Well, first we came in this long procession, and everybody looked different. I mean, really looked different. I mean, the girls are kind of, you know, kind of old, very serious. And, and over here, Flick, Flick's pimples stop popping, you know. <laughs> You know, everything, he's very straight, you know, and he's all, everybody's walking, you know, and, and we're, we're sitting in this, <laughs> they, they put us, first of all, in the auditorium to wait until they started to play Pomp and Circumstances. We're all sitting in the auditorium, and people are, you know, making kind of snotty little remarks, <laughs> you know, hey, Charlie, you look great, why don't you wear that all the time, you look better than that than anything, <laughs> kind of nervous. And then from a distance we hear da 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 and with that H McCullough Hell on Wheels McCullough Miss Helen McCullough by the way who was famous in our school for one thing she once had a story printed in a magazine and from that time on she was our residence our resident writer and and the story was the most interesting character I ever met at Yellowstone Park yeah, and she had it framed, you know. She was always a writer, you know. From that day on, she was a writer. She sold something to the, to the, to the Reader's Digest and all that. So Miss McCullough's up says, All right, boys and girls, stand up now. In just a few moments, you are going to be leaving our high school. Now, please, just once, walk in step. And it suddenly hit us. We are leaving. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you, man, and we're walking. We're walking past that long line of, of lockers. Each kid had his own locker. And you know how, you remember when you had lockers and there would be this terrible rumor that the principal has, has let out a, a note that tomorrow night all lockers are going to be inspected and you take down your dirty pictures? And all that stuff you keep at the bottom, the stuff that said stolen from the Hammond High Track Department. You know, you're frantically hiding all kinds of junk. And so here we are, marching past this. We could smell the gym, the swimming pool. And Esther Jane Alberry is up ahead of me, see? And next to me, I'll never forget this, this unbelievable moment. I'll tell you when I get off the air. I can't tell you what this girl next to me said. This beautiful blonde girl. I'll tell you after we got off the air. She whispered it to me under my mortar board. <laughs> you know, and I thought to myself, now I find out. Four years I've been in the same classroom with this chick and she's been sitting up in the front of the room looking like a plaster doll. Now I find out it's too late. <laughs> And we're walking through this whole scene. I remember my graduation very clearly. And now we come down through the gym. 
And here it is, this great big field house. And by the way, out in Indiana, all institutions of greater learning revolve around the gym. The classrooms are like vestigial offshoots. It's the gym where it happens. It was here that the sectional basketball tournament was lost. It was here that the coach, it was here that the coach of the football team threatened to have all of us kicked out of school. Yes, it was here that all those great moments of our life had been lived and we walked through into the gym and sitting down over to the left here were all the parents, all the mothers and the fathers. And you never think of a lot of people in your classes as actually having parents. Yeah, a whole bunch of strange looking people are sitting there and all looking. We come filing down and now we sit and the band is playing pomp and circumstances. And there is a brief pause, and then they start the star-spangled banner. We all stand. And the sweat is pouring down now. You know that feeling of the sweat coming down under your gown? It's dripping. My coat is off. My new, my new suit is just dripping. I can feel it itching and scratching. And the girl next to me starts to sniff. She says, we're graduating. I said, that's right, baby. <laughs> I try to play it cool. Yeah, boy, am I glad to get out. <laughs> I look around, you know, the gym, and the, they're playing the Star Spangled Banner. Then they stop, and out on the platform steps our principal, Mr. Spohn, who forever will always mean to me the epitome of the establishment, of education, of dignity, of officialdom, and hell. Oh, yeah, Spohn was impregnable. And he stands up there in the platform and he says, Class, in a few minutes, you will be going out into the world. And I want to tell you that it has not been easy having you here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I thought, yeah, that's true. Because I remember the big, the big riot, you know, you see all these things and all the teachers look strange. They're dressed in their Sunday clothes. You know how teachers look in their Sunday clothes? They've got girdles on and they look skinny. They've got funny hats. And Miss M.L. Scott, who always cried when she read Evangeline. Can you imagine a teacher crying reading Evangeline? She'd say, upon the waters of Arcadia, dear Evangeline. And all the kids would say, oh, listen to that old slob, wow, you know. And now she's crying because we're graduating and the whole thing is getting out of hand. And I could hear people sniffing and all that. And then this man is standing up in front of us, the senator. And he said, and I will always remember this one line. I did not realize at the time it was a cliche. At that time, it seemed so fantastic to me. He said, as we... From the generation ahead of you, hand the torch of liberty, the torch of progress of this great land, as we hand it from our failing hands and put it into your strong young hands, we do so with faith in the future of America. I'm sitting there. They're giving me the torch. <laughs> Little did I realize it was something else they were giving me. 
You know, something else. I was to learn three days later when I'm in the Army, you know. I didn't even know the term at that time, you know. And, and I'm sitting there, see, and my graduation, it was all part of the scene. He went on and on, and I remember this fantastic voice rolling out. And then finally he said, he said, in the words of that great bard, I want to leave you with this one thought. Hail and farewell. Hail and farewell. That's all over now. And we started to go up on the platform, one after the other. But there I am, see, I'm behind this little fat girl. I'm in the S's, way at the end of the line. There's all these people walking up, see. And they're getting these little things. You know that fantastic moment of seeing your diploma up there? And, and you say, oh, mine, there, there'll be a mistake. Mine is not there. Mine isn't there. Or the last minute, they'll say, uh, oh, excuse me, your name is Shepard. Uh, we have a note here on your... <laughs> you know, oh, no! Oh, yeah, you know, Mark Twain was right. I, I hear some guy recently quoting him on the air. Mark Twain said this. He said that if you take a telegram and mark it, all is discovered, and send it to any man, he'll start running. <laughs> the minute he gets it, oh, no, no. And so I'm standing behind there, you know, and we're walking, and, I, and it was a guy, I'll never forget, Simonson. Simonson is walking at, at, right behind me, and he's walking along, and he is saying, I never heard this, you know, have you, have you ever seen boxers when they're about to fight, they do the cross and all this stuff, and they say a rosary? He's going, bye, 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 bye. <laughs> he is trying to pray his way out, see? And I hear this, it's coming behind me, he's crossing himself, everything under his robe, you know. And I keep turning around to Simonson. I know it's too late for him, you know. And, and, and ahead of me is this girl. She's crying and the whole thing. Oh, it's getting out of hand. We're walking up. And one by one, we walk across the platform. And as we go across, Mr. Spone takes the top one off. It's fantastic how it works, isn't it? Takes the top one out of this pile, millions of them, hands it to you and says, congratulations. And you look at him. He's, you know, congratulations for what? For getting out. For graduation, for making it. For fooling them all. You know, for cheating so good. Congratulations. I shake his hand, you know. Here goes the biggest C-minus student who ever got out, you know, squeaking through, and I get past. And here's the senator. And the senator had a great way of shaking hands. Have you ever been, have you ever had your hand shaken by a man who knows how to shake a hand? I mean, you feel warmth. You feel life coming through it. Here's the way you shake it. Get up here, Frank. He's my prop. The guy walks up, see? Now, there, there, there's a rookie handshaker. Just like this, you know. That's obviously a Rotary Club member. Here's the way a senator shakes hands. He allows the man to put his hand up first. See, he, he lures him. Up it goes, and he goes like this. He does not shake a hand. He vibrates it gently with love. And out of that love, it pours out. He puts the plus here. This is the negative. See, he's got both ends of the scale. The current flows through. He looks you right in the eye and says, good luck. 
son. And he turns like that briefly, he says, good luck. Shakes you and sits you down. You notice how quick he gets rid of the guy? That is the mark of a good handshaker. Now, I'll show you a bad handshaker. Get up here. Here's a bad handshaker who's a rookie handshaker, and you see him once in a while, they'll hold up a whole column for miles. It's like this. <laughs> they keep, you notice, they, they, they don't know which one to let go quick. If you let go and pull your hand, he's still got it, see? You go, <laughs> good luck. So what happens is they both stand up there like this. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> It's good, very good handshake. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> well, that is a bad handshake. This senator knew how to shake uh, the hand of 700 people. 700 people in less than a minute and a half. <laughs> and by the way, every person he shook hands with felt that personally he had been made love to. <laughs> and so he's shaking the hands, you know, all the way out down. And I get, my, I get my diplomacy. I got it like this. I'm walking down. It's in my hand, my diploma. Gee, you know, I could feel it. It had, you know the kind of diploma? We got the kind that had the suede envelope. You know, it's got a cover. It's black and it's got a seal on it. Really felt good, see? So I got my diploma. I walk back to my seat. <laughs> I sit down. I got it, you know, my diploma. They're all sitting around. They've got their diplomas, and I can see kids look and see. And I think I'm going to steal a look, see. Whoo! It's a blank sheet of paper! I'm telling you, it was a blank sheet of paper! How about that? I sat there. What am I going to tell my mother? old man Pittenger did it. For four years he said he was going to keep me from graduating because of them quadratic equations. And that time that I didn't turn in those four assignments, he did it. I'm not going to graduate. I said that. Four years. And you know, sitting next to me, here was Simonson. Simonson has got his open and there it is. It's this piece of parchment. It's got a big seal on it. And on the top it says, Scott Simonson. They even use his nickname on his diploma. It's hereby graduated from high school with full honors. He has completed all the necessary courses and should be considered official. From here on in, signed, Mr. Spohn. And there was a seal. I hid mine. I closed it. Now, I'm telling you, this is a true story. I was terrified. Can you imagine this? I'm terrified. I'm sitting there, 600 kids. How am I going to... We're going to go out to Phil Schmidt's. You know that whole thing after you graduate, you go out for dinner. My Aunt Glenn is sitting out there. My Uncle Tom. They got a Parker pen and pencil set. My mother is going to surprise me with the bull of a watch she got, you know, for graduation, the whole thing. And I got a blank sheet of paper. What am I going to do? I'm sitting. And the heat, oh boy, was it hot. Oh, fantastic heat. I'm sweating. I am undone. 
And then they started to play the Star Spangled Banner again. Oh, da, 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 yeah. We stand up. And we had this teacher who always sang soprano. You know, in, in Indiana, they have a special type of singer. They call them, they sing soprano. That's considered good music. And they sing things like, There is a fairy in my garden. And she would sing this stuff all the time at PTA. And now here she is singing, Oh, who seeketh? We're graduating. And with that, they play, you know, that recessional. We have rehearsed this thing nine times, but nobody had rehearsed no diploma. <laughs> this had never once come up. You know, that they have a trap door, and every sixth guy, they push the button, down he goes, you know. And I'm standing up there, you know, and they're playing, da, 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 the recessional, you know, we're going down. And, and the late, the mothers are crying, and the fathers are crying, and I'm crying. You know, for a very different reason. We all go back into this room, back, they told us we all have to come back, we got to turn in our caps and gowns. And nobody is allowed out of school till you turn it in. Apparently there was a lot of cap and gown rustling. I don't know what the hell do with it, you know. But, you know, we had to take off our caps and gowns. So I have my little, my little suede envelope. I'm carrying it real tight, see, so I put it down. I'm taking off my cap and gown. And I see coming into the room my Aunt Glenn. Oh, my Aunt Glenn was one of these ladies who, believe me, looked like a pin cushion. You know the kind of pin cushions that's a tomato pin cushion with the little green leaves? She's this little, round, wonderful lady, see, with the, with the flower dress. She was the first one in through the room. She says, Jeannie, I'm so proud! I says, yes, that one. And there's mothers, and there's kids, and then there's fathers, and there's aunts, and everybody's getting watches. My mother gives me a watch. My father's standing there. He says, just put it on. I put it on. I said, gee, you can hear it. You remember the days when, when you used to think that the best watch was the one you could hear across the room? Well, let me tell you, this one you could hear for blocks, you know. It was one of these that would tick, 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 tick. It would make your elbow hurt, you know, when it jumped. Yeah, it had a recoil to it, you know. Every, every time it would tick, it would jump, you know, tick, 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 tick. That's how they got the term tick. Tick, 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 you know. Oh, oh. Well, all right, I'm standing there, you know, and I got my watch on. I got my new Parker pen and pencil set, the presentation model. My Uncle Tom gives me this fantastic gift. He gave me a beautiful pearl-handled pocket knife, you know, the kind that old men give to kids. They think all kids want this. <laughs> you know, there's a myth that all kids want a knife, you know. I never wanted a knife. Here's a beautiful pocket knife, and I got all the stuff. And we're now in the Oldsmobile. Boy, what a moment. We're sitting in the Oldsmobile scene. I am dressed to the absolute nines. All my new graduation clothes, my new suit, which, by the way, I wore till last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was made Brillo pads in the knees, you know. My new scratchy suit, and I've got this tie, this collar. And the car, it was one of those cars, it was an Oldsmobile, you know the kind where all the windows vibrate? And when you go a certain speed, 
in the car, it goes, and you can't talk over it. And your aunt always sounds like she's going, and we're sitting in the car and it's jiggling. My kid brother's next to me. And he keeps saying to me, let me see your diploma. I got it, see. He keeps saying, let me see it. Let me see your diploma. I'm sitting there. And my mother is so proud. She's got my other arm. My old man is driving and my aunt and my uncle and the whole seat. There's three cars in our procession. Three cars. The whole family. Aunt Kate, Uncle Fred. Their old, Uncle Carl was sober that week. Yeah, he brought along his banjo, you know. And, and so we all file into this place that was traditional for everybody to go after graduation. You know, there's always one, in, in little towns, there's always one restaurant that's the official restaurant where the Rotary Club meets on Wednesday and where they have the big neon sign that keeps lighting. It says, eat. <laughs> you know, and then it says, chops. Steak. Big neon sign keeps pointing. Eat. And then they got a blue one that lights and says, restrooms, restrooms, you know, restrooms. And here, here we were going into this, this, this very jazzy restaurant. And my mother had called in, and all the mothers did, of course, and they had set aside three tables. And we walked up to the head waiter. He says, oh, yes, the Mr. Gene Shepard party, graduation party for Mr. Shepard, of course. That's me, you know. We all file in and we sit down. And with that, the waiter comes over and he says, compliments of the house. It was the first bottle of wine that I ever actually saw. A lot of wine that was poured out in doorways. I smelt a lot of wine that Uncle Carl spilled on the kitchen floor. Now it was all used wine he spilled. Well, that was the kind of life, you know, wine. That was wine, you know, and it's, it's, it's in the middle of Sunday afternoon. We have ordered the chicken, you know, the chicken special. They had three specials, chicken, steak, and cheeseburgers. And we ordered, we ordered the chicken, you know, and they're bringing the chicken. We're all sitting around. And all around me, I can see this is this big restaurant. There must have been 25 rooms, you know, all attached. And I can see my friends. Here's Simonson his mother, and they're all singing and yelling, and they're passing the diploma around. They are passing the diploma around. I still have got mine stuck inside my coat. Well, everybody's passing them around, when all of a sudden my Uncle Carl gets up, and he says, Hey, Jeannie, he says, How about letting me see that piece of paper? He says, You're the first one in the family to have a piece of paper. He says, and don't forget, you can go anywhere with that piece of paper. My old man, if I, if I had listened to him, he says, graduate, I'd have been a big man today. Let me see the piece of paper. Come on. I said, oh, come on, Uncle Carl. He said, oh, come on, don't be modest. Come on now, let's go. My Uncle Tom, who was my bootlegger uncle, <laughs> he really was, seriously. <laughs> uncle Tom says, show us your diploma, Jeannie. And my mother says, oh, go ahead, Jean. Go ahead, show it to me. I reach in. I take it out. Oh, boy. Do you want me to go on? 
Do you? Yeah. Now I know how them gladiators felt. When you go like that, down. I says, all right. I take it out. And I said, I said to my mother, I says, Mom, please don't open it up because you'll get fingerprints on it. And she takes it and she says, oh, well, come on. Let me just peek at it. And I said, Ma, there's a... And she looked at it, and she says, it's blank. My Uncle Carl got up, and he says, it's what? <laughs> and I could see the waiter hurrying over to get the wine back. <laughs> he says, it's what? And my Uncle Tom sags, and my old man gets up. He says, did you flunk? And you could hear it all over. He says, did you flunk out again? And everybody in the place, their heads turn, you know, like that. And with that, I suddenly see way over at the corner by the piano, I see Mr. Spone. And Mr. Spone gets up and he hurries towards our table. And he says, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Shepherd, he's talking to my mother. He says, there were eight children whose diplomas did not come back from the printers. Gene's diploma did not arrive. Holy I sat back, and Mr. Spone says, congratulations, Gene, and he walked away, and that was the first time that I fell in love with a statue, <laughs> and right now, I want to give a hand to all those teachers who have suffered with all the pupils in the world ever, and have felt that nobody really respected them. Let's hear it. <laughs> we'll be back next week at the same time. Come on, let's hear it. This is WRAM at FM, New York. See Dial M for murder in color tomorrow night at 8 on Channel 9. At the time.